How's it going, everybody? And welcome to this edition of the Stupid Questions podcast. Today on the docket, we have Matt Sharp, who is a Canadian Olympian from 2022. I believe he was in the Commonwealth Games for, um, I can't remember, I think it's 2016. Don't quote me on that. But other than that, um, just super quality guy. Getting to hear a little bit of his story of how he grew up, been doing triathlon since he was 10 years old. Uh, he shares stories about how he met his wife, Kirsten, um, talks a little bit about her Olympic trials that are coming up for Paris in 2024. Um, yeah, it's crazy that that's already coming back around. Um, but we talk about a lot of stuff. Identity, his uh, placement in the PTO race, uh, the mishap with his zipper at 70.3 Maine. Um, but all in all, even if you're not a triathlete, this is a great episode of just hearing about determination, the hardships that we don't think about whenever doing uh, crazy stuff like the Olympics. Uh, he had some crazy experiences with bad coaches and stuff. So um, without further ado, just want to introduce to you Mr. Matt Sharp. Also, this episode is brought to you by Trax Fitness Wear. Uh, check them out in the description below. I have a good friend, Connor Callahan, who has launched this company. Um, they launched these shorts. He's went through tons of different samples that he made um, or had made to kind of find and deliver this end product. So go and check them out. They have size medium and large. I think they have female as well. Um, they need a small, but they are awesome shorts. I've heard firsthand from many people. So go and check them out. Thank you so much to Trax for sponsoring today's episode. Well, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. It's been kind of a cool journey getting to start this podcast. Just the um, overall attitude from so many people in the industry has just been super accepting. So that's been like one of the coolest things ever. Uh, I think that comes with the growing of a new sport. But again, just thank you so much for coming on and looking forward to getting to talk some. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so I guess to kind of start off just a little bit, if you were to introduce yourself to someone and how would you do that like who is matt sharp yeah um <laughs> i guess uh, it depends on the person but you know just joe average off the street uh my name's you know matthew sharp uh i do triathlon professionally um i've been you know to the olympics world championships um you know racing at the highest level of long course racing now which is uh for most people who, who don't know triathlon uh, not going yeah. to Kona, but uh, yeah, you know, a similar, similar vibe. Uh, yeah. But yeah, also just, uh, you know, just I, I love the sport, love triathlon. Um, you know, my wife also competes at a very high level. Uh, she's a Team USA athlete. Her name's Kirsten Casper, and, and yeah, she's trying to make the uh, Olympic team. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. So, where did you grow up? So, uh, originally from vancouver island uh in canada uh on the west coast there it's near the city of vancouver uh just off the coast okay, um, so yeah definitely grew up near the ocean and you know uh, a bit more rural i guess uh, upbringing for me but now i live in uh boulder colorado the classic the yeah the, for uh, cliche sure for triathletes yeah yeah lots of triathletes out there when did you move to boulder was it before the professional yeah, career so um i'm we moved down here in December 2021 after you know I'd done the Olympics um, you know we were looking for a, a good base for for Kirsten for her next you know uh, Olympic campaign and for her this was definitely the best place to be and so yeah I've been been down here in Boulder and, and obviously uh, you know a lot of folks are here for a reason triathlon wise yeah for sure and I've definitely discovered uh, you know how, how awesome it is to train here oh yeah for sure I mean Canada's beautiful too I've been up there in Vancouver area um, nice in British Columbia it, yeah it's oh man what a beautiful place to live 
did yeah, you definitely, um definitely it's uh i definitely miss the ocean uh for sure yeah. not not the same vibe here for sure but uh still very beautiful yeah when in growing up in vancouver uh, did you have siblings there that you grew up with or your only child yeah no i, I have an older brother um yeah, he, it, we both did kind of same stuff, swimming, you know, different sports growing up, soccer, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were maybe getting into teenagers. We kind of, I guess, like had divergent paths where I took sure. down the sport route and he went down kind of more arts and stuff. He was the, the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, yeah, my brother Jeffrey. And, and actually, it's funny now, we're both working together on kind of like a triathlon media venture. Um, right now we're doing, uh, it's a newsletter called the tempo news. Um, yeah. and I've been working with him on that since last November. Uh, so getting close to a year and yeah, it's been really cool. Like that's what he does for a living. He's in media yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's been cool for me to, you know, work kind of alongside him. You yeah. know, I talk to him almost every day now, uh, through this. So yeah, we've got a cool little venture going on and it's just a lot of fun to learn from him and, and work with him. Yeah, for sure. So I was going to ask about that with the tempo news. That's how I actually got to know you a little bit, uh, just to nice. start off. Um, what was like the initial start of that? Was it like, hey, let's go start this thing? Or was it kind of you wanted to just keep track of things and you were writing your own newsletter for a few friends? Or how did that all come about? No, no. But I mean, yeah, those are all interesting uh, ways to go about it. But literally, because I told you, like my brother, he, he does these newsletters. That's kind of what he does uh, for a living. Yeah. And he was always, for a while, he was like, oh, we should do one for triathlon. Like, it really makes sense. And, you know, I was kind of in the thick of, you know, my Olympic qualifying, and that was you know, mm-hmm. my big focus. And then kind of after that, you know, it just kind of came this time where I was kind of like, well, you know, I haven't finished my, my education, um, and that's the sacrifice I had to make to, sure. you know, pursue sport at the highest level. So for me, you know, having something that I can gain, obviously, tangible skills like, mm-hmm. you know, copywriting and, and uh, dealing with clients, you know, it, I, I write ads now, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So that was kind of a big goal of mine was just to have something, you know, even if it didn't work out, um, you know, <laughs> I have employable skills, put it that yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. So mission accomplished for the most yeah. part, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, so much experience to be gained. Um how long have you been doing Tempo News? You said November? November last year, end of November last year. So okay. getting closer to a year for sure. Yeah. So when yeah. you started, did you have a specific goal, maybe a specific metric you're shooting for? And like, how's that been going? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, like I said, I think with sport and, and in kind of business and stuff, it's it's always good to have focus, I think, more on like process goals. Um, mm-hmm. Like in training, you know, you're trying to hold, you know, good technique during a, sure. a hard interval or something instead of just always going for like this like external like time or power or whatever um so with this again it was just like hey i want to you know gain skills real life skills <laughs> other than swim bike run yeah so yeah you know obviously you want to grow and enjoy you know growth with your your adventure or whatever but uh um i think by having these kind of process goals and and you know trying to build my skills it's just kind of helped um the growth occur yeah yeah for sure yeah but yeah um, no specific like north star like we need to get to yeah you know 1500 blah 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 like you have those kind of goals but that's honestly not necessarily what i'm focused on day to day um yeah. it's more like the process like in training yeah yeah for sure man um so in you mentioned a little bit um some of the parallels between like work life and how training can be I guess assimilated to the kind of stuff that you're doing in building any type of a business. So I'm curious, um, 
and I have my own experiences with this, but with training specifically and what you do in the sport, how have you found that that has shaped and molded the way that you think and attack any type of real world problem? I guess like, I mean, for me, it's like, I've always known sport. Um, you know, I've always been in that world. So for me, you know, kind of getting into the real world a little more, I hate saying like real world to like devalue what I've done. No, man, it's a dream. But it's, it's true. It's true. Um, you know, I think it's just those lessons, those classic lessons of like persevering through hard times and dealing with adversity and, and just having, yeah, little goals along the way and celebrating those little goals and wins. Um, I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like the business stuff, it's, it's hard, you know, obviously training's hard physically and, Mm. and, and, you know, the, the work stuff, I guess there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity to be creative. Um, so there's definitely, there's like a cognitive load, that I'm maybe not used to and, and getting more used to and, and kind of like, you know, like with training, you're refining your processes all the time and finding what works best and what doesn't. And it, I'm getting a lot of that with this, um, you know, work stuff with, with the tempo, you know, what is the most efficient use of my time? Mm. You know, how can we refine our processes um, to, you know, be better and, and you know, uh, continue to make a product and yeah. and a thing that, people are enjoying and you know we get good feedback from our readers um you know good and bad which is yeah, great sure. um so just taking that feedback like in training you know you get the numbers you get the mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and taking that in and then uh you know working with that yeah for sure how many subscribers to the newsletter do you guys have right now yeah so we're just over ooh, seven thousand now nice, um it's great. yeah no it's it's really cool um and we're at a growing at a pretty steady clip so yeah, the, it would be nice, you know, like you talked about before, you know, any specific like goal, I guess like, you know, the next sure. goal is like hitting 10,000. You know, that's yeah, a nice sure. round number. Will my life materially change if we hit that? Um, yes, definitely. I'll be a billionaire. No, yeah. I won't. <laughs> it won't. It won't change at all. Um, but yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's definitely nice having those kind of big round numbers to, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. to push for, for sure. But uh, just having a good process will get there without uh, too much trouble. trouble. Yeah. For sure. Um, in designing, I just want to keep on the Temple News for a second longer because yeah. I have some questions. Um, what software are you using to kind of build the email and send it out using like MailChimp or something else? Yeah, it's um, it's called Beehive. Uh, yep. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with any of this stuff before, so I might sound sure. like I know what I'm doing. I really have no idea. That's the beauty uh, of a founder right there. Is, my brother is Jeffrey. Is the uh, He's the kind of brains, and he brings in all the you know different uh, – software and stuff into, into play but yeah beehive is is the the platform the newsletter platform we use and it seems very user-friendly and and yeah. kind of tailored towards growth so i know there's other options like Substack, yeah and like you said mailchimp but uh beehive yeah. we, we're, we're pretty happy with it yeah for sure so i'm curious because you mentioned money part of it a little bit and this might be a little bit of a stupid question hence the name of the podcast <laughs> but so i've talked with some pros at varying levels um it seems to me that uh, like the top maybe let's say the top 50 can make like a decent living in this sport you're sitting right within the top 100 i mean if, according to the pto however you care about that ranking or not does yeah it's whatever um do you find that like with the tempo news you hope one day that that can kind of be a supplemental income situation or are you able to kind of make the living that you want to off the sport at the moment yeah no it's definitely getting to that point we're kind of at a i guess like a an interesting point where like 
the tempo is like kind of taking off that way maybe yeah. a bit more time it'll get to where that that kind of is happening but then at the same time the racing you know it's competitive out there um oh, yeah. you know we gotta we gotta fight for every position um you know things happen in racing and and so yeah you're, you're trying to make it work as best you can and i feel like i'm very close to kind of almost making it work i would say at the moment mm. it's not working um and so yeah we'll, we'll see at the end of the year every year you know i kind of reassess and be like does this make sense and i think after last year that's partly why you know went full on with the tempo was because i was like hey you know i need to think about my future and blah 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 yeah. and, and uh and yeah it, it, looking back on that decision i'm glad i decided to uh um pursue it because at yeah. the end of the day say at the end of this year i'm like yeah racing doesn't make sense or i don't enjoy it or whatever sure. um i definitely gained a lot of it's been worth my time doing the tempo with the skills and whatnot and connections yeah. i've made as well yeah for sure what's your favorite connection you've made so far i think honestly just all the people who comment who you know uh, just i think it's just like all the readers who you know chirp in chime in um, and I get to learn about them a little bit. I'll ask them, you know, what races they're doing. And it's kind of fun just to, you know, learn people's journeys. And, mm. you know, it's why we follow people, you know, a lot of times on social media and stuff, you know, it's fun following people's journeys. And I'm really enjoying, you know, getting to know some of the folks uh, yeah. who are subscribers to the newsletter. Like at a lot of these races now, you know, I'm meeting people who are readers who like I wouldn't have really yeah. been able to meet them otherwise. So yeah. it's been super exciting and, and really rewarding that way for me yeah i do i really admire and want to point out that uh that you kind of get that little bit of tidbit about you ask what races you're doing because when you first reached out i don't remember what it was exactly i think you may have liked something of mine which i was shocked and then i messaged <laughs> you and i was like hey thanks so much and then you showed interest by asking what races i was doing and that really stood out to me because i had nobody else of your caliber ask such right. a question so that was yeah, a really yeah. that was that's I mean, a really cool thing triathletes you know yeah. we're, we're all yeah. we're all triathletes yeah. What, uh, what are you racing? You got any races on the horizon? What's what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got uh, Ironman Wisconsin um, nice. in like five weeks, four or five weeks, just doing like the five to seven hour bike rides and getting all the long stuff in. Um, but Man. the hope is to qualify for my elite card at that race. Um, awesome. We'll see how it goes. So yeah, yeah no, I hope. Uh, I mean, has, have you been healthy? It's been body's been good. Yeah, it's been pretty good. I've had a few breakthrough races this year, the 70.3s. I think where I really have the opportunity to shine, just getting into the sport a little bit later, is the long course stuff. Nice. Um, good. So, good. Well, yeah, good man. luck in uh, in Wisconsin. I mean, doing yeah. Ironman's crazy. So I, a lot of kudos to you for yeah. uh, doing the challenge because I haven't, I haven't done one. I don't know if I'll ever do one, but uh, I shouldn't say never. But uh, oh, you could be I'm always impressed. Sure. Yeah. by folks like you who are taking that on. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so I want to back up a little bit because um, we've touched a couple different points in your life. But going back to when you were a little bit younger, did you have a dream of becoming something when you were a kid? Was it a triathlete? Like how did how did that world work? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I grew up as a swimmer and did track when I was a kid, played yeah. soccer, um, obviously just loved sports, uh, love you know, watching the highest levels of sports and the athletes mm. compete and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, definitely there was always a dream and, and kind of a desire to like go to the Olympics for me, it was always the oh, Olympics. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, to kind of where I'm from, there's kind of just a big culture and, and I guess legacy of, of Olympic athletes and, and high performance athletes. Um, it's a big hub kind of, I guess in the South Vancouver Island. Sure. 
there's a lot of um, national training centers for different sports like rowing and swimming and triathlon and um, yeah. diving. Like there's just, you're kind of surrounded by it. And mm. so it's definitely my belief that if you have those kind of folks in your orbit, you know, it's, it becomes tangible, it becomes sure. real. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, you know, I started racing, it would have been like very early 2000s, maybe yeah. even 1999, I don't know, around there. But right then was when, you know, Canadian guy Simon Whitfield won the first Olympic gold medal yeah. in triathlon. And he lived, you know, two, three <laughs> hours south of me. So yeah. there was a lot of factors that I think led to me, you know, choosing triathlon and stuff. And, and that was a huge, huge part of it because of this culture of excellence, really, in sport. <laughs> that was yeah, so close. Yeah, for sure. Do you think um, when it comes to your parents, like, were they into sport? And did they help push you in that direction? Yeah, I think, you know... My uh, my dad definitely was like more of an athlete uh, in high school and stuff. I think he was the captain of his like rugby team uh, okay. or whatever. And, and and when I started triathlon, I think my dad was also kind of dabbling in them as well. So we'd actually go to these races as like a family, and and yeah. my brother and I and my dad would would do some of these races together. Um, but I think just because I was just very self motivated um, to to train and to go out and run and bike ride on my own and stuff and so my parents they kind of just tried to foster that because i think they knew that if my energy was in that direction you know good things would happen if my yeah. energy went in you know different ways maybe <laughs> some not good things would happen sure uh so i think they they just supported me as much as they could uh when i was young and and honestly without their support it definitely wouldn't have uh made the olympics or any high level uh you know achievement in sport yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, have you had in your journey any kind of distractions or something that was competing with the the journey or the desire to compete in triathlon as a professional? I guess like, uh, you know, when I was younger, like, again, like this whole culture of high performance sports, like I went to a high school, you know, where there was like Olympians had come out of and, and it was almost like a sports school. So I never yeah. had like too much pull in, in like the other direction. Um, I was always, you know, in a high performance training environment at the national training center in Canada. Um, you know, just over the years you have setbacks, you have a lot of injuries and, you know, maybe, uh, I got my funding, like cut, I got cut from the national team for a couple of years, I think a year and a half or so, mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't performing cause I was getting injured. And so there's just setbacks like that, that you have to overcome. And, like I just, I was just so determined. I knew that uh, I hadn't been reaching my potential, and 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 so that kind of got me through. But then, yeah, before the Olympics, um, you know, I was training in an environment that uh, it, it was a very toxic environment with with the coach at the National Training Center in Canada at mm -hmm. the time. And um, yeah, I kind of I had to step away from that environment. You know, about a year or so out from the games in Tokyo. Um, and that was really hard because I lost all of my support from Triathlon Canada. Um, I had no funding, uh, really. I had like the government support because they couldn't touch that. But if they could have touched yeah. that, they would have taken it away from me. Wow. Um, and so I had to create my own environment, uh, which it wasn't, you know, necessarily a terrible thing. Um, but yeah, just you know, obviously, you beca I became someone that they didn't want to succeed, and so there's a lot of roadblocks there. But you know, I was the right person to be on the Olympic team and, and I was able to overcome that and uh, get on the team and, and do my best to help, you know, Triathlon Canada and in Canada 
really. I yeah. was not really competing for triathlon Canada at that stage. I was more, you know, thinking of my country, um, trying to mm. help them win a medal. Um, but yeah, we went through this big process, you know, I had to file a complaint against the, um, against the coach at the time because wow. of the, you know, toxic environment for that, that, you know, I was dealing with, but many other athletes were, and, and, you know, eventually he ended up leaving, um, which was the, the right outcome. It was the just outcome. And, uh, thankfully now with triathlon Canada, they're just in a lot better position, um, where the athletes are treated a lot more fairly. There's mm-hmm. less, um, I don't know if the word nepotism is the right <laughs> term, but sure. favoritism maybe. Um, it just seems like the athletes, if they're performing, they get opportunities. And if they're not, you know, you find a way to try and get those opportunities, but uh, which is just a lot better than it was, uh, you know, a few years ago. So that was a very successful outcome uh, yeah, as well. For sure. Sounds like you've been through quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I sense a little bit it's, of an emotion. I mean, in a... It's all relative, right? Other people have been through sure. lots of hell their own ways you know my my good friend kevin mcdowell he had to deal with cancer um in Mm. his journey to eventually winning a medal for team usa so we all have to deal with our own adversity and and you kind of found out what you're made of when you you know deal with it that's it it's a it's a a test i guess yeah do you feel like you've ever like exceeded your own personal expectations whether that be a race or an instance that you've kind of gone through yeah i mean I don't know if deep down I'm the most talented athlete. I definitely work hard. Um, I would say probably my pragmatism has helped me in my career as like, you know, finding opportunities and making the most of them. Um, Yeah, I I think I've, when I've been healthy and, and competing, you know, as well as I can, I think I've been performing as well as I can. I probably outperformed other athletes who are more talented, who have trained harder than me, but maybe they showed up sick. Maybe they show they got injured because they couldn't, you know, yeah. they were just training so hard kind of thing. So, right. uh, you know, I feel like in my short course career, I definitely performed to my ability. Maybe I missed out on, you know, some opportunity, maybe like, you know, for the Olympics, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't go as, as my own, you know, competitor. I went to help, uh, Team Canada win a medal. We had a guy, Tyler Misselchuk. He was the obvious favorite to win a medal. You know, we had a strategy that won the Olympic test event, you know, two years before. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to do that because I know what it's like when you win a medal, and especially in Canada. It's a, it's a big fucking deal. And so, yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, I was happy to do that because it's more of a legacy thing for me. Um, but, you know, if say I only train for myself for the Olympics, realistically, you know, with the the way the course was, the conditions were, you know, if I had ideal prep, perfect prep, you know, the best I could have done personally, maybe a top 12. So is that just because your speed, you didn't have, that's because I think my physiology, you know, a bit of a taller guy, I don't know, it's a hotter race. I'm a bigger athlete, um, probably favors smaller athletes a little bit. Um, yeah. So for me, like that's kind of my upper bound, but obviously if I could help you know, a, a Canadian win a medal. Um, that's, that's bigger than me. It's more important than me. And, and, uh, I'm happy to do that. It's just obviously with triathlon Canada leading into that, um, <laughs> definitely didn't feel like part of the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, so, I mean, talk me through that a little bit. Like, how do you, first of all, how do you deal with that? And then was it, 
just a bad experience you had this guy one time and then he just like oh i can't stand matt because that's like really tough i don't even know what i would do yeah i think you know with with this coach it was built up over time um and then yeah i think he just wasn't uh happy with with me or whatever i don't know if he had other personal stuff going on that maybe we don't know about um i don't need to speculate um but uh yeah it just got to this point where you know it was a very hostile environment uh very toxic environment for me and other athletes um and i knew if i wanted to actually achieve my goal of getting to the olympics i had to take myself out of that environment Mm -hmm. um yeah, so that was really hard, but ultimately it was the right thing to do. Um, and then, you know, eventually we saw a good outcome from that. So that was uh, super, super positive. Yeah. Forgive me for not knowing, because when I was doing research, I was only searching your name and I looked at like your placing and stuff. But did Canada win a medal? No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Tyler, the athlete who I was there to help, he was, uh, I think he was a bit injured going into it, um, mm. which is unfortunate, but that's, yeah. you know, competing Thanks at the sport. highest level. Some days you're there, some days you're not. Sure. Um, even if he didn't have the day, you know, I still don't regret my decision to, you know, be a domestique and, and help because if yeah. it had worked out, it, I just know how, how huge that is for, yeah. for a country like Canada. So for me, you know, it didn't matter necessarily what he did on the day as long as I did my job. And yeah, I did my job as best I could that day. Unfortunately, I don't think I was actually uh, as fit as I needed to be. And that was also out of my control a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, man, what a journey. Wow. Um, so I want to come back to the games here in a little, in a, in a second, but I have a, kind of a stupid question and I sort of know the answer to this, but not enough. And I did that on purpose. So for a lot of Americans, we don't really know a ton about what the Commonwealth games are. <laughs> so if could you unpack what is the Commonwealth Games and how did you get involved with this? Yeah, yeah. So Commonwealth Games, in a nutshell, it's basically, uh, it, it used to be called the British Empire Games, uh, I think originally. So yeah, that's literally what it was. It was all these countries, Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, a lot of African countries, Caribbean countries, In uh, India, yeah. Canada, the, com- the Commonwealth is what uh, it's called. And yeah, it, I think maybe post-World War One, the first edition happened. And yeah, it was just a way, for, I think, for the the British Empire to, you know, keep its stronghold or keep influence over these other countries and, and all that sure. kind of stuff. And yeah, so they, it, and it's funny because for triathlon, um, it's actually a very competitive event. You know, yeah. a lot of great countries, Great Britain, obviously, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, are, fl- you know, are featured in, in the Commonwealth Games. And so... Maybe some sports it's a little bit weaker than the Olympics, but for Commonwealth Games, triathlon is very competitive at the at the top end for sure. Yeah, nice. And then you competed in the Commonwealth Games. Is it every year or is it every several years? Every four years. It's um, same as Olympics. Okay. Yeah. So I went in 2014. That was in Glasgow in Scotland, and mm-hmm. then in 2018, that was on the Gold Coast in Australia. And that Gold Coast Commonwealth Games that was an incredible experience. I mean, Australians they know how to put on a sporting event yeah. and uh yeah it was incredible atmosphere there and and yeah it was a world-class event um unfortunately i think commonwealth games is uh the last little while it's really gone through some rough patches um the the host you know place that was supposed to host 2026 they just bowed out wow. um, there's no replacement for that so 2026 commonwealth games are not looking great um wow. yeah so i i think as you know this whole british empire has kind of 
lost its relevancy. Yeah. I think the Commonwealth Games are, are struggling with that as well. And, sure. you know, uh, it's like the Olympics, right? The, the Olympics has had a hard time finding Winter Olympic host cities. It, it hasn't been easy to find just Olympic host cities because of, you yeah. know, the not certain return on investment. And I think with the Commonwealth Games, they could probably, I think they could actually keep doing it, um, but they really need to find a way for these host cities and regions to see a tangible benefit. Yeah. Um, I mean, sidebar, Victoria, the city that I kind of grew up in, um, they hosted the Commonwealth Games in 1994 and a lot of the you know sporting, um, I guess, infrastructure that was left behind, it created you know, so many Olympic medalists and stuff. So there's a huge yeah. benefit that way, but uh, I can see why, you know, folks see the price tag of these events, these major games and are like, uh, we don't oh, want yeah. that. Like we got to pay for all the potholes and the roads. Like I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Do you know, like if, I mean, I know in the Olympic games, a lot of times cities end up losing quite a bit of money. Is it always the kind of been the same thing with the Commonwealth games? You know, I don't know if, figures on on uh like revenue and all that kind of stuff i don't know i think some games do a better job than others of uh sure. you know keeping things tight in terms of finances and whatnot and and mm -hmm. some olympics i know don't like they don't always lose money but generally they do i think like la in 1984 like they made a big profit yeah um so i'm sure they'll be looking to do that again in uh, in a few years time yeah um, that's a that's you know america they'll they'll find a way to make a profit out of it for sure that's capitalism <laughs> at its finest for sure hey let's go <laughs> yeah do you have yeah. dual citizenship so I'm working on my uh, green card right okay, now, cool. uh, which is why, you know, I'd love to race 70.3 Worlds coming up and I'd love to be in um, Paris supporting Kirsten for her Olympic test event, but I don't think I'm good at, I can't leave technically yeah. right now. Otherwise, uh, really. the immigration won't be too stoked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, tough times. Um, so let's go back to the Olympic Games a little bit. Um, that's such a huge thing that, Obviously, a lot of us can experience only from our TV screens. <laughs> what was it like, first of all, finding out that you had the opportunity potentially to be on the team, being on the team, and then competing at that level? Yeah, I think, you know, those four years leading into Tokyo, I guess five years because it got postponed, I always knew I was in kind of the driver's seat in terms of going as long yeah. as I stayed healthy and, and performed at a high enough level. Because there's, you know, in Canada, there's just not as much depth as like Australia or whatever. Um, sure. And I was a mature enough athlete that I'd have lots of experience. Um, so for me, it was always like a, it was never like a, whoa, this is crazy if I make it. It was always kind of like, yeah, you need to do a good job and you're probably going to be going. And from, you know, a couple of years out onwards, I knew my path was to be kind of this like team athlete, which again, I never really had a problem with um, at all. So yeah, we practiced that in at the Olympic test event in Tokyo and Tyler ended up winning the race. We absolutely nailed that, yeah, um, awesome. which was awesome. That was an incredible, and it's nice, you know, you've, you've raced well on the course, um, you've had success. So obviously that's a, a super confidence booster yeah, huge. Uh, going into the real thing. You know, when the Olympics were postponed, that was pretty hard. Um, obviously you have plans and they, they're not going to plan or whatever. That's very difficult yeah. mentally, but then obviously <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff going on at the time that, uh, you know, put things in perspective, not, you know, sure. doing a triathlon wasn't really a huge deal at the, t at the time, yeah. uh, when all that was going down with COVID. So when we realized that, you know, we were probably going to compete the next year, um, it was easy to, to get back into the, the headspace of, Hey, 
um, you know, I need to just, again, stay on the right path, stay healthy. You know, there's, I, I don't know what the concept, I don't know if I have the right name, but it's called like the goal gradient concept or something. Okay. And it's like, basically like the closer you are to a goal, you know, almost like the harder you work to get there because you know, it's so close. So for me, I always knew the Olympics was co close. And so I never had like a huge dearth and motivation to, to get out there. Cause I kind of knew by and large, I was going to have a really good chance of being on that team. And then yeah. once I was there, you know, very different vibe with the, you know, <laughs> the health measures that they had, you know, we were wearing masks everywhere. Um, you know, at a race, we had no spectators really. Um, yeah, that's tough. It seems like that yeah. would be like a big kill of joy. Yeah, I think one of the one of the hardest things for me with that, I mean, obviously, I would still take that over no Olympics, hands down. Sure. Like, give me COVID games, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it would have been nice to have like, um, honestly, for my parents um, because of their support over the years and and, and just how you know much of in my life was dedicated to this and, and their lives and helping me it would have been nice to have them there to see me race in person and just to be a part of that. Uh, and they didn't get that. And, and that's always kind of yeah. hard to, uh, that's just hard because, you know, I know how much they've helped me and, and you want to reciprocate that. Right. Um, obviously they don't, <laughs> they don't really care, but to me, that was, uh, that was a hard, hard part of it for sure. Um, yeah, but for they sure. did get to watch and ultimately they get to get to watch me compete at the, at the highest level and, and achieve my dream. Yeah. Man, that's huge. Um, so how old are you? I'm 32. Yeah, just turned 32. Okay. That's, uh, that sounds weird to say, but I here know, we are. Yeah. I'm about to turn 31 next month, and it is a wild yeah. thing. Yeah. And now we're just like, it's not even like 30 anymore, where you're like, oh, damn, 30. Now it's just like, <laughs> oh, 32, okay, we're on the march oh, to 40. Age. Like, that's <laughs> it, hey? Yeah. Oh, man. I woke up on my 32nd birthday, and my neck was a little little sore so i don't know if that's just a thing <laughs> yeah you just had a birthday recently you said i was like uh late july late so july. Yeah, yeah, yeah. recently yeah yeah, yeah so you know a little a little more sore gotta stretch a little more all mm -hmm. that good stuff do you do strength training <laughs> you know i kind of do i actually for the next kind of bit i'm gonna focus a little bit more on on some strength work um yeah just being at that pto race and observing the physiology of my competitors it's like ooh, you know these guys they got some legs and uh i could use more leg so yeah <laughs> that's for uh sure. that's gonna be a focus for me i think in the next little while for sure yeah for sure and I, I, we'll talk about the pto us open in a second just because that's so fresh um yeah but how long have you been married yes we got married uh may 28th 2022 so just oh, you know over congrats. a year over a year yeah. yeah yeah it was nice you know we got married uh, back in Canada, back where I'm from, Victoria. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the best day of my life for sure. Oh, that's um, so good to hear. Yeah, no, it, it was incredible. And yeah, it just like, I just, I just smile thinking back to, you know, that day and yeah, just having everybody there. It was, it was amazing. It was, yeah, uh, it was incredible. How long were you engaged? 2020, December, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like a couple of years, I, yeah, we kind of like got engaged and then kind of dialed in wedding location and stuff pretty quickly right before yep. it got kind of crazy Insane. post COVID. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it's kind of slowed up now, but like that kind of 2022 timeframe, 
yeah, it's just wild with venues and vendors and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure your podcast listeners love talking about this stuff and hearing this stuff. No, man. Hey, I am here. (laughs) I think people are interested because it's a little bit more mundane because most of the triathlon podcasts out there, it's like, Hey man, so how you training? What's your FTP? What's the science? Yeah. I want to dive into the little bit of the backstory. I think it's super interesting. So I want to ask yeah. one more question with that. How did you yeah, meet yeah. your wife? Yeah, we actually met. Um, so we met. We were both triathletes at the time, and we were training in South Africa, okay, um, cool. in a place called Stellenbosch, which is like just outside of Cape Town a bit. It's kind of like one of the big training places for athletes in South Africa. Um, beautiful spot. Definitely recommend going there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we were both there training and actually kind of funny. Um, <laughs> we were on a bike ride because I had a friend, my friend Kevin McDowell, who, you know, there's a few U.S. athletes. He was there. Actually, Chelsea Burns was on that ride, the PT, oh, cool. PTN uh, personality, Chelsea Burns. So there's a, it was a high-powered group mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we went on a ride. And then at the end, um, I ended up rolling beside Kirsten. We were riding together and we were just chatting and, it was funny. She was like, oh, like you're, you're Canadian. Like, where are you from in Canada? And I kind of like naively assumed, you know, most Americans wouldn't know, you know, Victoria, um, uh, just cause you know, Canada, whatever. It's not like a huge, it's not like Toronto or anything. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, like it's on the West. I said, it's, it's on the West coast. Like you probably won't know where it is. And then she kind of gave me this little side eye and she's like, try me. I'm from Canada. And I was like, uh. so, you know, somehow I recovered from that, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty funny, uh, meeting slash intro, uh, conversation. Cause actually Kirsten, yeah, she originally grew up in Ontario, Canada and yeah. moved down to the U S when she was, uh, 14. Um, and she's been, you know, competing for them ever since. Yeah. How's her journey? I mean, she's getting ready for the, I guess it sounds like the trials. Yes. Yeah. So she had a crazy intro into the sport, like where I, you know, grew up doing triathlon. Like I literally started doing it when I was 10. Um, she did her first race, I think like, uh, in college or after college, she was a part of this like college recruitment program from USA triathlon, which was very successful. Um, incredible program. She was a part of that. And, and I think her third race was like U23 world championships and she finished in fourth, um, which I had never even close you know, I'd been to training all my life. I'd never even touched a result like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she had a very kind of meteoric rise into the sport and has been competing at the highest level essentially ever since. Um, she's been the alternate the last two Olympics, so Rio and Tokyo. Um, so yeah, now she's really gunning for that spot in uh, yeah. in Paris. And, and you know, it's very competitive. The U.S. women are the best in the world, like depth-wise for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, she's definitely rounding into form at the right time and and. I've observed her a lot, you know, racing over the years and she's very much a competitor. So yeah, you get her on the start line healthy enough. Uh, she'll be up there battling. So yeah, I'm really excited for, you know, this Paris race coming up for her. And yeah, then her. there's another big race in the grand final in Pontevedra, Spain, uh, afterwards. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, definitely coming into form in the right time, which is, uh, super exciting. That's super exciting. How is, um, oh, how old is she? She's same age. She's turning 32 <laughs> end of August, August 31st. Okay. Can't forget that. Yes. That'd be yeah. bad. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> Write those things down. Put them in your calendar. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> one-week reminder. Alarm, alarms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's super exciting. Um, so with having, I've I've talked to a few people who have like relationships within the sport. Um, has that proved to be more? I don't know. It's, 
I don't want to kind of put you out, but has it been more beneficial over time? Have there ever been like tough times where you're focused on you versus she's focused on you or do you guys balance pretty well? Like, how does that go? I think we balance pretty well. I can't think of a really like tough time where like, yeah, I I don't know. I think because of our personalities, just generally we're pretty, both pretty laid back uh, people. So I don't think it's, I think it's been a net positive really, because man, I, I, it's such an all consuming sport. Um, but if you understand what's going on and demands, then you can kind of step in, you know, like uh, for, for me, like I'm, I'm pretty good cook. So, you know, Kirsten, you know, she's doing other things that are helping me when I'm kind of cooking or whatever. Um, so we definitely have a good, um, I guess like we play off each other well that way where like, you know, it, it, and honestly, like the demands on training and, and all that kind of stuff, like we're so tired, like from training a lot of the times, like I can't imagine having to then like get G'd up and to go out or whatever. Like if you got a partner who's, you know, in a different living in a different world. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to me, it's it's only been a good thing. Um, and it's yeah. only been like, uh, yeah, super, super good. <laughs> so you, you understand, you know, the, the demands and everything and, and what someone's going through. So there's a lot of empathy that way, too. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it sounds like a good night on the town is more of a night in compression boots watching your favorite movie. like A lot of Netflix, kind of... yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all that good stuff because, you know, and, and that's that's perfectly fine. Usually you're uh, you're, you're pretty tired anyways. So yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's again, like, you know, you don't feel pressure to have to, like, do something, you know, sure. that might compromise your recovery or whatever. Um, you're you're all in on that. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's been really good that way. Yeah, that's super neat. So how many hours a week do you typically train? Yeah, it's funny. For me, I definitely train a lot less than I did when I was focusing on short course racing, which is ironic because I now I race long course. Um, But with the tempo, you know, honestly, part of my day-to-day stuff is is more helping Kirsten with her journey um, to get to, to Paris and stuff. So for me, I'm definitely getting a pretty good ROI for my time. I would say like maxing out like 16 to 18 hours a week uh if that um yeah just a lot of quality uh not a lot of uh just riding around and running around (laughs) yeah i definitely you know i would benefit probably from from more hours but then i wouldn't be able to help kirsten as much i wouldn't be able to you know do the tempo and and have the success we're having with it so it's like anything in life there's trade-offs yeah dude that's crazy that's not something to mull over the fact that you just competed in the pto us open and i mean you did oregon right did you do maine as well maine maine my favorite race yeah man that's tough so (laughs) i've talked to a bunch of people about that my coach included um about like the whole rule with the zipper and you know Mm -hmm. people stand kind of on both sides of the line i think everyone agrees that it's a stupid rule and then i think i think people it's like people are like sticklers for rules and they're like, it's a rule, like you got to stick to it. It's like, yes, yeah. I, I definitely uh, should have known that for sure. It's just, does the punishment fit the crime? Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely like, not. I mean, I if I'm drafting a ton, you know, yeah, give me disqualification. Yeah, if I'm taking DQ. outside assistance, if I'm cheating, the cutting the course, yeah, disqualify me. That's, that's garbage. Get that shit out of here. But uh, having an unzip zipper, especially when other people, you know, it's not even the unzip part. It's because the zipper is unclasped. Whereas if my zipper couldn't technically unclasp, but it's in the fully unzipped position, 
you're still good. Like it's just the technicalities around yeah, it, doesn't and make also any the sense. wording of the rule is incredibly vague and ambiguous. So that's why I'm appealing it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, have there been success in the past with appealing those types of things? And no clue, no clue. I I really don't expect to win or anything, but uh, if I think I can make a strong enough case, you know, I'm appealing it to USA Triathlon as well, not Ironman. Um, yeah. And USA Triathlon, I think, <sighs> we'll see, we'll see. It, it's a tough, uh, tough road that way. But uh, if maybe we can, you know, get some kind of changing to the wording of the of of the rule you know yeah, where it's like explicit like if your thing is fully unzipped no matter what you know you get a disqualification or they just say like hey we're gonna get rid of this rule because it's kind of silly um yeah. you know whatever it's just like the fact that it, it there's there's ambiguity in it there's a lot of opportunity where it's a should instead of like explicit like like yeah, this is must. needs to be done or whatever so yeah we'll see i'm gonna you know I, law 101 we're, we're going we're putting yeah. that into action <laughs> <laughs> oh man what what did happen did you just forget like did it come undone during the race and you just no like honestly i just i i i guess i forgot or i just didn't even totally know um and i'm pretty sure even somebody said like oh they said at the briefing so like i just wasn't paying attention and that's totally on me like i should yeah. know to zip it up it's just hard when also like you see so many countless finishing photos of people with their thing unzipped yeah it's tough it's just like how, how does this make sense but yeah. uh, we're gonna we're gonna fight it we're gonna uh we're gonna see if we can get some kind of uh result or something um, yeah because at the end of the day it's like with this whole you know i was talking about you know um trying to you know deal with that coach and and see some justice um right you know at the end of the day if it didn't work out i still would have been you know happy to have gone through that process and this is the same thing you know i still want to go through the process be heard if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but as long as i yeah. have that opportunity i'm gonna i'm gonna take it yeah for sure oh man so with getting into the u.s open <laughs> how did that happen and was it like someone did they feel bad were they like hey we want you here or did someone drop out like how did that happen yeah yeah no i mean i've been hitting them up for like quite a while in advance and and obviously you know at the time sure. they had pretty full start lists with some marquee athletes and and this is classic with pto like usually guys start dropping like flies maybe like two to three weeks out um so i just kept hitting them up getting hitting them up and they're like oh we're still full blah blah blah. and then kind of like as you know we got even closer like this like literally after the race in maine obviously i was very upset so i emailed them again and i was like hey i'm ready um and i kind of got like a a very polite no but then um yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know the full story but uh there's maybe a conversation at some bar in milwaukee on monday <laughs> night and then tuesday morning um i had an email from pto being like hey if you want to come like you're you're on um and for me sounds expensive yeah well it, it was actually not too too bad really um all things but, considered like for me to uh, you know if i get that call I'm answering it like I'm going um, because, yeah. you know, I thrive in those kind of championship environments like Olympics and, and world championships and stuff. I don't know. I just I love competing on the biggest stage and having sure all eyes on us. You know, yeah. it's uh, it, it's something I really thrive on and it's not something I really have the opportunity to to have anymore. Um, mm. Just the with the fractured na nature of long course racing. So 
yeah, I was like, yep, hell yeah, I'm going. Uh, I got the email Tuesday morning. Tuesday night, I was in Milwaukee and getting ready for racing five days after I'd done a, semi- hard, a very hard 70.3. Yeah, like how did you feel race day? Like, t- take us through that. Because, first of all, the race videos, just from all the different channels out there, it looked so neat. Um, what was that experience like? Man, it was sick. Um, so, last year I raced at the US Open in Dallas, and Dallas isn't a bad place, but uh, just the way like the venue was and how hot it was like there's nobody there's no spectators out there there's no athletes you know racers or whatever um so the atmosphere was pretty dead um whereas in milwaukee um obviously the temperatures were a lot more pleasant and the fact that they had it at the same time as this usa triathlon national championships um that was the the key kind of component i think was partnering with the usat to have this you know huge pro race alongside the biggest age group race um for those distances in the world i would imagine yeah um so you know i've raced at yeah a lot of high level you know world championship races for me that was one of the best atmospheres i've ever raced in um and you're not going to get anything better i guess maybe cone is like that i really don't know but in terms of like you know when we were lined up on the start you look behind you and there was just fans lined up behind you um so cool along the whole swim venue fans along the whole swim venue like i couldn't i could hear people cheering for me when i was swimming i've never had that in a long course race yeah. i've had that few times in short course racing um hamburg notably which is like the best spectator course for for short course triathlon so yeah yeah it was just an incredible atmosphere so and i don't know i just love milwaukee like i got hyped on milwaukee when i was there i was like checking out zillow like oh what's the situation here <laughs> yeah looking at properties I'm gonna get like, some investment oh, well, deals. What's, what's it like? And yeah, very reasonable. Uh, nice little town. Shout out Milwaukee. Um, yeah, no, it, it was an incredible atmosphere, and yeah, definitely getting that opportunity to race the PTO. I was like, I need to go. I need to be here. Yeah. Um, and I knew because <laughs> I had the same experience last year where I raced seventy point three Santa Cruz, got on the podium there, didn't get DQ'd. Lol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, seven days later, or six days later, whatever it was, raced in Dallas, and and that was brutal. Like obviously the the weather was brutal in Dallas, but I just got absolutely shelled. Um, this year, I definitely, even after a hard seventy point three, I, I definitely held my own better um, relative to the competition. Like, you know, I was uh, looking at the data after, and yeah, in, Mil- in Dallas last year, I got fifteen minutes rode into me, so I was fifteen minutes slower than the fastest bike split. Yeah. Um, in Dallas last year and this year I I think Ditlev rode six minutes faster than me so like that's a yeah. huge improvement um, yeah, and, and I actually came fast, off the bike yeah. last year in Dallas came off the bike I was like damn so stoked I didn't get lapped out this year I came off the bike I was like oh damn I'm in the race let's go um, yeah. but definitely racing five days before not ideal um, if I was preparing for PTO I would have trained differently um well it's hard to do right because it's not super easy to get in that early no, like obviously you, you gotta know, you gotta be a top dog to, to have the yeah. comfort of knowing you're racing yeah. um so for me i don't know if i'll ever get that chance but i'm never gonna say no to a pto start uh, yeah. regardless but yeah. yeah like i got i came off the bike in milwaukee and i was in the race and i was like hey let's let's do this and you know i think i made some pacing errors but the fatigue from maine combined with i lost some nutrition on the bike in milwaukee Um, i needed everything to go perfect to get like a top maybe top 15 i need everything to go perfect and not everything went perfect so that's just the way it was um 
but definitely performed better, rel- way better relative to last year. Yeah. Um, what place you end up coming in? I was 22nd this year. I okay. want, I was like, oh, top 20 is definitely doable. And, and I think if I'd made better choices in my pacing on the run and had yeah. the full fueling uh, that I planned, I think I could have been there. Like I just, the wheels just totally came off yeah. with like three laps of five to go. And that's too much, <laughs> Yeah, too no, much time. Tough. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a, I, I definitely don't regret going. Definitely super glad I oh, went sure. because it was such an incredible experience. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love racing at the highest level. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never say no to that. Yeah. So are you emailing the PTO about <laughs> any of the other races this year? Well, I, you know, I would love Singapore to go and tough. race the next one, but I can't, I can't leave the U.S. That's my problem. Oh, it's, that's uh, right. I'm yeah. stuck in the U.S. So yeah, I kind of, uh, that's my, my limit this year for sure. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Forget- hopefully next year I lo- would you know love to be on the circuit. Um, although yeah. it's definitely tougher for someone like me who you know isn't a marquee athlete. Um, yeah, it just and that's the reality, and I understand that from their position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you either get good enough where you get those automatic spots, or you just you beg and you you know find a way that way. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But I'm never gonna say no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate the transparency. Um, I I had no idea how it really worked, so it's interesting yeah. to know that. Um, two questions. First question. Like like I, like if I was an athlete who, um, you know, I think I think if you like said, hey, I'm flying to, you know, Singapore. Like if I could fly to Singapore, like I would probably get a start because there's probably gonna be three or four guys sure. who are on the start list right now who aren't gonna be there. Um, there's that there's just that kind of stuff that you could probably um you know finagle your way onto the start line yeah yeah for sure do you have to pay for the pto races like a professional you do yeah so they obviously pay very well um and they pay you know every person who starts gets paid um to show up and and compete or whatever but uh yeah at the moment you know they're not covering your flights and, and accommodation all that kind of stuff yeah um which you know, I think they're going to need to rethink their strategy on maybe that um, just because, you know, as a fan of the sport, taking my self-interest away, you know, I want to see the best athletes there. I want to see, you know, all the top PTO 20 athletes sure. like they should want to be there, too. Um, so it was kind of disappointing when, you know, see athletes going and racing and in, in some European 70.3 like, you know, you should you got to be at the PTO, especially if you're a top dog, like you got to yeah. be there. Um so, uh, you know, I think they need to find a way to incentivize more, People maybe not top five athletes, but to incentivize them to be there to make it the best possible race. Yeah. I think they can do it. I think they need to, I don't know the economics of the PTO. Uh, sure. They haven't given me the spreadsheets or anything, but uh, yeah, if I was in charge, I would definitely try and incentivize, definitely that, make sure that those top 20 or 30 or whatever, and maybe athletes who are outside the those positions, but who bring a you know maybe they're uber bikers and they change the dynamic of the race that way like it's all about entertainment so blow it up blow it up exactly you gotta you gotta find a way to to make those people want to come yeah but i think you know next year it sounds like they're gonna have six or seven races um i think they're they're gonna tighten up on the athletes who are committed to the pto I, I talked to the CEO and I asked him that question and he basically said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have a, a different way about that next year. And I don't know what that means because he didn't yeah. tell me, but, uh, they're working on it. They're working on it. Yeah. Did you meet the CEO through while you were there in Milwaukee? I met him, I think in Edmonton 
last year yeah. at the Canadian Open. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a brief brief chat with him just because I, I wanted to uh, pick his brain. You know, you got yeah. when you got in the room like that, you got to take advantage. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Oh yeah, I um, yeah, I've been trying to pull every string I have. So I uh, got to interview Vic Brumfield, the CEO of USAT, nice. last week. Um, nice. And I was like, hey, can you? introduced me to everyone like the CEO of yeah, Iron Man yeah. and PTO she wasn't kind enough to forward my email on to all of them so we'll see what awesome. happens so I will awesome. ask those questions for you yeah she's uh she strikes me as doing a, a very solid job right now she with is USAT. she's working I think, super hard yeah yeah she definitely is uh doing a very good job and and you can tell I mean in Milwaukee I wasn't there the whole weekend but there was a huge great atmosphere um it just seemed like all the events took off without a hitch. Like it just seemed like the vibes. I'm just going off vibes, and the vibes were good. No, yeah, that's huge. That's yeah. huge for branding. Huge for everything. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's so cool. Um, do as far as like the races that you enter, are professionals? Do they get any type of discount, or do they have to pay? Do you have to pay to enter these races? Like for for, for Ironman, you do pay. It's definitely less um, than a typical like seventy point three or whatever. Um, but you can also like so with Iron Man you can either like you know purchase a one race thing or you can buy like I think it's like you pay like twelve hundred bucks and you can race unlimited races so it depends what your your race focus is like I for me I than, just do one at yeah. a time because I don't really know what my race schedule is but uh, but yeah you do have to pay to play for sure but you know it's a it's a business yeah no you <laughs> people love to shit on Iron Man um, but it's like yeah this is a business so. They give yeah. a good experience, I will say. I mean, I, yeah. from the pro side, I heard it's a little bit different, obviously, in the age group stuff because we're the ones who are giving them the money. But yeah, um, what is the discount, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know. Like a seventy point three is like two hundred fifty bucks. Where okay, I think so it's, it's like, like half. it's like half. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just race, which I think is why some people race pro. You know, maybe they're not training as like a full professional, but yeah. if you race pro, like it's definitely cheaper. I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's embarrassing how much I I just spent to do like the worlds in New Zealand. Oh yeah, yeah, and they get I mean, you excited. They're like, "You made it! Now come pay me a thousand dollars." Yes, but I will say, New Zealand, you will not regret going there. Yeah, if you haven't been, incredible place. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be an amazing experience for sure. It it definitely, yeah, definitely the money is is some, but uh, that's it's an incredible spot. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna try to make it to that race next year? Definitely, definitely, yeah. So, I, I'll take any excuse to try and try and get back to New Zealand because it's. Uh, cool. It reminds me of, of Canada a lot too, so I, I yeah. kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm super excited. I got the whole family taking a trip for nice. they're gonna do our like, Christmas thing out good. there that year. So good, yeah. good. That'll be amazing. Yep, you. It's gonna be 100 percent worth it. Calling it right cool. now. No yeah. regrets. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so I have a couple more questions before we kind of wrap up. So this next question is a little bit of a personal one. You may not have an exactly an answer for it, um, but I was talking a while back with. Uh, Greg Bennett just about like the identity of athletes and how they identify with themselves and from someone like you starting off at 10 years of age all the way up until I mean 32 that's more than the grand majority of your life how do you relate to that like do you ever think about how you might identify post triathlon and how that might affect you yeah I think um, you know as time has gone on I definitely have been like okay what's this you know what do I look like what what does this look like uh, you know after like post high performance sport and you know i'm always going to identify as an athlete that's never going to go away sure um, I, that's just who i am um but in terms of like you know what i'm doing and whatnot i guess like i'll always want to just do things at the highest level um i can you know with the resources i have and, and so i'll always kind of have that identity i guess like 
ultimately, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. Um, maybe the tempo, who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe something else. But I'll always kind of carry that, I guess, athlete mindset into what I'm doing. And um, yeah, it, that'll never go away. But it's more like, you know, obviously I won't be super fit <laughs> yeah so there's that i guess to uh to deal with but yeah. also there's you know there's opportunity and everything and i'll find lots of other opportunities that i i can't do as a high performance athlete so there's a lot of uh positives that way it's not like a oh no it's like a oh hey kind of situation yeah for sure cool yeah. man awesome well thanks so much for answering all my questions and taking the time out of your day i know you got a lot going on the best of luck for your wife, Kristen, Kristen or Christy? I'm so sorry. Uh, Kirsten. Kirsten. Okay. Yeah. Best of luck to Kirsten. We'll be looking forward to Thank her. And we'll make sure to link the Tempo News in here um, to share awesome. that out to everybody and continue to grow it. But, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for uh, taking my stupid uh, being late and, and uh, battery dying. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It happens. It totally happens. Totally nice. happens, man. No worries at all. Thank you so much for jumping in and listening to this episode with Matt Sharp. Uh, huge shout out again to Matt for his willingness to jump on and to share a little bit about the tempo news, about his life journeys, about his marriage story. Uh, so many awesome things in there. Um, if you want to check out the tempo news, there is a link in the description as well. And you can go and check out um, that newsletter. Super awesome. Make sure to follow their Instagram as well. And then, um, yeah. Thank you again to Tracks for sponsoring this episode. You can find that stuff in the description as well. Uh, thank you guys all so much for listening, and I will talk to you in the next one.